nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today I have my good friend, very intelligent lady, Sarah Saldivar. I don't even know if I said that right, but you no. know. I've been so pushing we were practicing practicing it before the last couple years. It's okay. It's Dr. Sarah I know, right? I know, right? I still get it wrong But somehow. that's okay. But she's a remarkable guest. I mean, Sarah has been wearing so many hats um, in the health and wellness space. She's a YouTuber. She's on Instagram. And she is dedicated to guiding people towards happiness through fitness, ancestral living, mindset shifts, and transformative power of music fashion, and beauty. And if you're watching my YouTube, you know she's a gorgeous woman. So there's a whole lot of beauty here. Why didn't you look at my ugly mug? Just look at Sarah's, right? <laughs> but that's not all about Sarah because she has so many pieces to her. I mean, she has a PhD in exercise physiology and nutrition from the University of Miami, where she teaches there by the well as well. And she's a licensed dietitian, certified personal trainer. I think it's ACSM, Certified Exercise Physiologist. So her work dives into like the intriguing realm of anti-aging, reframing the aging process as um, preventing chronic disease, disease that can be reversed and cured, right? So join us as we have so much we have to explore in this one podcast. Sarah has so much experience, so much knowledge that she shares on her YouTube, she shares on her Instagram, and she's going to share with us as well. Now, before I begin this interview, though, I just want to mention that the Zika recommendation page is now live. It will be in the description of the podcast as well, because these are products that I use and recommend. And you can also save some wonderful money on some fantastic products that can help you with your health, fitness, and weight management journey. Now, with that being said, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I actually reached out to you this time. Usually, I get a lot of emails because I want to come on the show, but I'm like, Sarah's already been on the show, and I wanted to have her for part two because I know she has so much information to give us. So let's dive into this puppy a little bit, right? So you have a very multi-way a multi way of, or view approach to wellness, and you seamlessly integrate like ancestral living, mindset shifts, and modern fitness to help others find happiness. Kind of give us a description of that. Yeah, so it, it really all stems from my personal experience of battling sugar addiction, carbohydrate addiction, and acne um, at a very young age. And I did not really realize I had an addiction, even though I did my doctoral dissertation on it. But uh, the n denial is very real, and it takes a very long time to divorce yourself from from that that close bond you have with your drug and to really snap out of your denial. So even though I did a seven-year doctoral dissertation at the University of Miami on that specific topic, I still, after that, went on and I published a keto dessert cookbook. 
<laughs> so it took a long time for me to really be ready um, to, to, to do that. And that was also around the same time where I discovered the carnivore diet and, you know, throughout my whole education to become a licensed dietitian and then having a master's in nutrition and dietetics. And, um, I was never taught about plant toxins, plant self-defense chemicals. And it was really just because I read Dr. Um, Stephen Gundry's book, The Plant Paradox, that I discovered this whole other body of literature that exists on all of these plant self-defense chemicals, the aquaporins, the oxalates, phytates. I mean, we knew a little bit about like the phytates and the tannins, but it's like one tiny little segment, you know, in one course in my bachelor's. And that was the end of that. And then they, and then just like 99.99% of what we're being taught as registered dietitians is, you know, just eat <laughs> all the fruits, eat all the vegetables, more grains, more plants, basically. So it took my own personal experience and that this experience with addiction, both personal and at an academic level, plus um, reading and, and, and coming across the carnivore diet um, to really kind of uh, form my approach when it comes to health and fitness. So I help a lot of people, you know, with my weight loss guides, I have a weight loss guide go called um, dopamine body and then another one called dopamine brain so with those guys I take what I use with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients um, and I because not everybody can afford to work with me obviously one-on-one -on -one. so I wanted this information to be as widely available as possible and there are a lot of people who just like to do it on themselves you know like they don't want they don't need like this every weekly thing or you know they, they prefer to just get that information and just do it so I put all this information in those guides and, um, and it's all about how can I help people not only get in shape, understanding just the basic math of how many calories you want to eat, but also how do you actually stick to your diet? How do you actually stick to working out? Because it all has to do with dopamine. So that's another major kind of um, major focus um, of my work. How do you optimize and increase your baseline dopamine level? Because we all know cake is probably not the healthiest thing, right? People, they get type 2 diabetes, they get amputations, and then they still cannot stop drinking Coke. Why? Why is that? And we can say, oh, it's just an addiction. Okay, but like, then what? So I, I get it. Everybody has a very severe or most people have a pretty severe food addiction. It's, it's much harder to quit eating those foods than it is to quit drinking alcohol or heroin or cocaine because it's constantly in your face. It is ingested internally. It starts from a very young age. It's cheap. It's socially acceptable. It's legal. And I've worked with so many clients who are like, yeah, and I, I, you know, quit alcohol, I quit cocaine, I quit heroin, I was, it was all done, like in my 20s, I quit all those things. But the one thing that I still cannot stop is the sugar addiction or the food addiction. So the, um, this is especially in like the, the brain guide, which is the dopamine brain, where I really go into the nitty gritty of how do you raise your baseline dopamine levels. In order to be able to overcome any addictive substance you have in order to be able to overcome um, this this pull towards drinking coca-cola even though you know it's literally destroying your health both physical and mental maybe even your finances because everything 
is affected by how you feel, you know? Because if, if you're in a food coma when you're eating carbs and sugars and junk food, you're not going to be as productive. You're not going to think very clearly. You're not going to have the same discipline, you know, to be able to um, regulate your finances and achieve financial freedom or, or at least just be in, have your, you know, financial life in good order. So, yeah, so, so kind of like that's really the biggest thing that I try and help people with. How do you raise your baseline dopamine level so that once your baseline dopamine is up, then you don't, you don't have a gap that you need to fill with drugs, right? What is addiction? Addiction is basically not enough of dopamine. Not, it's not just the dopamine, by the way. It's also all the other brain chemicals, but all roads lead to dopamine. They all eventually lead to low dopamine levels and low dopamine receptors, D2 receptors, which are the proteins on the cell surface of your brain cells that dopamine has to bind to in order for you to feel the effects of dopamine, dopamine which is high energy, high motivation, uh, mental clarity, um, productivity, uh, fantastic mood, you know, all those things that we want from dopamine. It's really about releasing the dopamine and then having dopamine attached to its receptor on the brain cell. So dopamine, like it's like a lock and key situation, dopamine and D2 receptors. So dopamine gets released as like the, the key and it unlocks the lock, which is the D2 receptor. So anything that can raise the number of the D2 receptors is really what we're looking for. For. We're not just looking at ways to re to increase dopamine level because if I eat a cupcake, I'm going to raise my dopamine levels. That's not what I'm talking about. I want my baseline dopamine to go up. That has more to do with the number and concentration of your D2 receptors. So this is how tolerance develops. When you start having an addiction to maybe alcohol or to, let's say, food. And if you can remember, if you have food diaries, you can see, oh, I used to just have like half a cookie and I was fine. And over time, it starts building up and you develop tolerance to that. And now half a cookie does not give you enough dopamine stimulation in your brain to hit the spot. So then it becomes one cookie. Then it becomes two, three, four. And then before you know it, now you're eating the whole pack, right? And the way that happens is every time you consume something addictive, it destroys a certain amount of your D2 receptors. So it creates more of a gap. Your baseline dopamine level go, drops even lower over time. So as time goes on and as the addiction is still there, your baseline dopamine level, let's say, is here. If, is, is, are people all going to watch this or is this going to be on audio? Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Okay, good. So that's how your baseline dopamine level is up here, right? Over time, it's going to start to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. So let's say 20, 30 years into an addiction, now you have a much wider gap in your baseline dopamine level that now you know you need way more a higher concentration of the dose of that drug to be able to regulate your mood in all addictions it really starts and by the way i know like a lot of people will be like yeah i love sugar but i'm not an addict whichever way you want to look at it you know if you have, if you if you have yo-yo dieting if you have if you're craving those foods if it's hard for you to stop eating sugars and carbohydrates and and foods that are addictive um then there's a scale, there's a spectrum, right? Addiction can be mild or it can be pretty intense, right? But at the end of the day, it's, it's all on the same spectrum of addiction, right? So when, uh, when you, any addiction that you start, right? The first time you consume it, it makes you feel high. We don't remember the high we get from sugar because 
we got it at a very young age. We really don't remember how it made us feel. So, but if you look at other addictions that start later on in life, you can see like they'll get the high initially. The first few times they consume the drug, they're going to get the high. But eventually, every time they consume that drug, it's destroying the amount of D2 receptors on the cell surface of their brain. So now, the next time you need a higher dose to be able to activate whatever is left of your D2 receptors, because the frequency with which you activate those D2 receptors is also kind of similar to how much dopamine is activating them. So it's not just like, you know what I mean? So now when you increase the dosage of the drug, you increase the frequency with which you're activating the D2 receptors that are remaining in your brain. And it goes on and goes on and goes on. And the dose go, goes up while the number of D2 receptors goes down. Oh, so I have a question because um, my audience may be asking because you're talking a lot about D2 receptors. Mm -hmm. And we're talking a lot about addictive foods like fast food, um, Coca-Cola. Yeah. You know, well, not just, but you know, sodas in general, yeah. high sugary foods, right? But I know you also focus on carnivores. So yeah. where do you land on, let's say, fruits that I don't believe in natural versus unnatural sugars, but we know that fruits tend to have like less sugar and yeah. more fiber. Where do you land on those necessarily? I think it depends. If you've never developed a food addiction or a sugar addiction, you can handle fruits just fine. Um, I think if you have gone down that rabbit hole of sugar addiction and carbohydrate addiction, I think it's a, it can... I think you're too sensitive. You've been sensitized to the sweet taste more so than the other person. So in that case, I wouldn't do fruits, at least for a period of time, to really get sober and really regenerate those D2 receptors. Because simply quitting the drug is going to allow your D2 receptors to go back up and repopulate your brain, right? But exercise can speed up that process. That makes a lot of sense because I've known individuals who have sugar addictions and they say, well, I'm going to juice in January or so. And when they juice, you know, they juice, they add a lot, they still add a lot of fruits and they're kind of like, oh, it's natural sugar, but they still in the next month still have the same problem. So that makes sense to me. You're literally just adding more, yeah. more of that drug into your system instead of going through like a detox phase. Yeah. And then you can maybe as, as you start to get better, adding the natural foods yeah. and stuff into your yeah, diet. It's a needed. trigger, you know, it's, it's really, it's a drug, you know, the sweet taste lights up our brain in half a second versus when you smoke it takes like or cocaine even like it takes a lot more seconds to hit your brain for that dopamine hit for you for all the brain changes to happen so it's a very powerful drug and so if your body's already sensitized to the sweet taste and that is your drug it's gonna be a trigger when you taste that sweetness it's just gonna light up the whole circuitry in your brain that's all connected to one another it's like when there's sweetness it's like i go all out like i i tasted that sweetness now i want more it becomes very difficult to control that and this is why it's like anywhere depending on which studies we're looking at anywhere between 88 to 99 percent of the population just cannot maintain their weight loss people can lose weight that's not the problem I, anybody can lose weight and most people have lost weight multiple times throughout their whole lives they know how to do it the problem is how do you maintain it and that's because nobody nobody is fully accepting just how addictive those foods are even though the studies are there but of course you're not going to hear about them because most programming is sponsored by mcdonald's and craft foods and even the health foods are pumped with sugar all the kellogg's bars the cereals fiber it's like this is the worst worst thing like there's no way you can maintain 
your weight loss. There's no way you can maintain control over your dietary intake. It's like a heroin addict that wants to get sober, but yet they're constantly having a little bit of heroin here and there because it's a protein bar or a fiber cake <laughs> bar. Good luck. It's not going to happen, you know? And it's, it's, and I'm not even like the heroin studies are real. Like I, they, I reported on them extensively on my channel. The heroin studies, I wish I was able to include them in my dissertation, but I had written up the literature review on my dissertation in 2015. And the heroin studies came out in 2017. So basically, the rats prefer heroin, sorry, <laughs> sweetness. They, the rats prefer the sweetness way, way more than heroin when they're given free access to them. So most people know the studies comparing sugar and cocaine, right? It's like cocaine, uh, sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Well, guess what? It's actually even far more addictive than heroin, not just cocaine. And, and I think the, the key thing that makes it more addictive, you hit the nail on the head, it's, it's, it's widely acceptable. And people hear this and say, oh, I'm not addicted, but really don't realize how much it is. And I want to touch on the fitness part because that's really my area, for, my area here that I have a gripe with the fitness mm -hmm. community. Um, for one, this whole calories in versus calories out, it's, it has has some some validity to it, but you have to address issues like your addiction to sugar, your dopamine receptors. There's so much more. Your gut health, like there's so much you have to address. Your gut enzymes, you know, like there's so much you have to address other than just calories. So like you're right, like people can lose weight and they lose weight just fine, but then they gain it back or more because they don't address the underlying issues. So I'm glad you talked about that because that's very true. I've had people say that to me a lot of times, like I know what to do, I just don't do it. I'm like, yeah, you know how to starve yourself and lose weight, but do you know how to maintain it yeah. for a long period of time? Do you know how to look like Zeke or look like Sarah for the rest of your life? That's the question. Or your husband, your husband looks really good, hey. by the way. Like, you know, like, how do you, you know, that, that's, a different, that's a different level. That's the thing. And that's what, and it's not as hard as you think once you fix the underlying issues. Like in this case, we're talking about your dopamine receptors. And we have a lot more to talk about on this. I'm going to move forward, but Sarah does have a YouTube channel that you can click on and she, and she, and she has some wonderful videos to share with you. So, um, but I want to move on because I want to talk about some practical life stuff. Because yes, people hear this and say, yeah, you know, okay, maybe I am addicted to sugar. I don't know. But in your background, like what are some practical life tips that you can uh, give to my audience? Um, I think a practical life tip is stop looking at all foods as foods. <laughs> Not all of them as foods. Some of the, the vast majority of it is a drug, right? And if you really want to simplify things, you have, you know, I know you're probably in denial. I probably 99.99% of the people listening to this are like, oh, whatever she's talking about. It. Like she, everybody's in denial. I, I know it because I was the most, the highest ranking in denial. <laughs> you know, I mean, to do a dissertation on this topic and then keep having the keto desserts, like, you know. So, 99% of the foods around you are a drug and you will forever struggle with this food focus and constantly, you know, reading up about fitness and health and whatever and trying to really just trying to get a handle on your food addiction. And that's because you're just unwilling to look at it for what it is. The harder you argue for why, oh, it's crazy to not eat carbohydrates and not eat those addictive foods and not eat any processed foods. The harder you argue for that, that's your proof right there. That's how, that's how addictive it is. <laughs> so do you want to stay in that for the rest of your life? What people like to do, they like to package it within a diet. You know, the diet is just a way to manage that addiction. It's just a way to not let go completely. 
it's like, oh, but, you know, like maybe I'll do keto, but not carnivore, because at least with keto, I can do like the keto bars and the keto treats and the keto desserts, you know, or things like that. It's, it, it's really, I don't know, it is hard. I'll keep saying it like it is, although I, I try to minimize doing YouTube videos with addiction in the title because it doesn't get views. Nobody will click on that. You know, you want to tell them fast, easy weight loss, or, you know, also cardio or exercise, like anything that <laughs> to train people to 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 uh, to work out. Also, people don't want to hear it. It's like anything that's fast and easy and no cardio. That's what's going to get the views. So, you know, you have to follow the algorithm, because if I just say the message that I'm telling you right now, but nobody's clicking on it, then what's the point? It didn't really do any, you know, it didn't really benefit anybody. So definitely my most recent um, content. And I think you you noticed that like my most recent content is definitely trying to be a little bit more entertaining or trying to just follow the 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 what people really want to click on. And then within that, I'll drop some gems, you know, but at least I'll have more people watching it. So, um, so yeah, I would say not all food is food. 99% of it is a drug. So you really want to be careful. You also want to raise your baseline dopamine level. And the best, most effective, most powerful way to do that is with exercise or anything uncomfortable, but not, none of the other things that are uncomfortable, like, you know, cold plunges or saunas. Or I haven't seen solid data that that translates into raising baseline dopamine. Exercise is just so much more powerful because not only does it raise baseline dopamine, it also increases your endorphins, your baseline level of endorphins, which means the amount that you secrete when you're at rest, like when you wake up in the morning, all day, it's not just during the workout, it's 24-7. So you completely fundamentally change your brain. And so the the this is this is the where it gets really important the higher your physical fitness level is equals what your baseline dopamine level is what does that mean the faster you can run for example that means you now have a higher dopamine level baseline dopamine level also that means you have higher d2 receptor numbers the heavier the weights you can lift, the higher your baseline dopamine level and the, the more D2 receptors now you have just at rest or 24-7. It's like your normal resting brain now has more of that. And why? Because why would your brain create more dopamine and create more D2 receptors if you don't give it a reason? Dopamine is an anesthetic. So the more you put discomfort on your body, that, that physical pain of running or going up the stairs and just pushing yourself. It's got to be uncomfortable. It can't be a joy ride. It can't be like, yeah, I'm jogging, having fun. No, <laughs> it's got to be, you know, what, what can your body do right now? And let's push it a little bit beyond its comfort zone, just a little bit. That is the signal to your brain to create more of an anesthetic in the form of dopamine. You see? So you have complete control over your, your brain chemicals, and that means you have complete control over any addiction you might struggle with. It's the, com it's the complete opposite of addiction. Addiction is destruction of your dopamine centers, and exercise is building it back up again. People ask me why I, I'm always smiling. Like sometimes I'm hanging out with people and like I just have this real plate in my head and I just have this big smile and they're like, can you invite me to the party that's going on inside <laughs> your head? And I'm like, no, I can't. I just having a party going on up here. I don't know. Maybe because I weight lift and I run and I do crazy things in the gym, backflip with weights in my hands. Who knows? 
But, you know, maybe it has something to do with that. But, you know, I'm a journey happy person. Like, Sarah has known me for a long time. So maybe it looks like what she's saying is true because I have become a happier person since yeah. I've been lifting a whole lot more and been challenging my body. I think the, I like what you said, though. It has to be uncomfortable on a serious level. Like, it has to be uncomfortable. You have to push yourself to that next level so your body can naturally do what it's designed to do. I absolutely love that. We have a couple more things, um, my wonderful audience, that we're going to get into. But before we get into those things, I want to stop and talk about one of my favorite products which is Perform from the Amino Co. Because remember, the Amino Co., their products are 100% science-backed, built on amino acid technology that was first funded by NASA and then further refined through rigorous research and independent clinical trials. So yes, Perform is an EAA, essential amino acid-based formulation, designed to improve muscle performance during exercise. And we're just talking about exercise, right? You want to induce, you want to lift some more weight, get those D2 receptors up, right? You want to exercise, want to push yourself through, Enhance mental clarity and concentration, reduce fatigue and dehydration, and minimize recovery times. People use Perform in different ways because it does have caffeine, but not a lot, actually. It's actually 60 milligrams per serving, even though I double up a little bit. And it has creatine and essential amino acid, a particular formulation designed by Robert Wolf himself to help you to get these results. And one of the reasons why I use it more of a pre-workout. And one of the reasons why is because, for one, I'm not just drinking a bunch of sugary drinks. That's going to go straight. We'll be talking about that as well. And because, and also not just a lot of high caffeine because it's only 60 milligrams per serving, but the essential aminos and the creatine along with it gives you what you need to bang through your workouts. Because I've worked with a lot of people or seen people in the gym who are addicted to these drinks that they're like, I got to feel that hit. I got to feel that hit. It's like cocaine almost. And I would tell them, I said, try this instead. Yes, you may not feel that immediate you know, crazy feeling you'll feel, but you will bang for your workouts and you will perform absolutely well. And that's why I love it. It is called Perform. In fact, the ingredients in Perform have been clinically proven to improve strength and physical performance in these trials. 20% increase in exercise completed, 22% increase in endurance, 11% increase in peak performance during exercise, and 10% improvement in cognitive function during exercise. And it tastes great. And something else, they also have all natural flavors, which is what I use, which are way better for your health as well. A lot less of the fillers on extra stuff that will go into a lot of the you know, pre-workouts and all the stuff that you will buy out there. So check it out. The website is aminoco.com slash Zico Health. The description will be in the, um, the, I'm sorry, the website will be in the description of this podcast. When you click on there, you see this handsome face just smiling at you. And you get 30% discount, 30% discount off their wonderful products okay now we're going to talk a little bit more about anti-aging because about what? i really want to talk about that because that's something everybody anti-aging anti because that's something that yes yes because that's something that everybody would talk about these days everybody wants to look younger everybody wants to look like sarah <laughs> over here so you, the concept of treating aging as like a chronic disease is, is of course in treating right so how did you arrive at this perspective? What strategies do you use to, to advocate um, reversing disease and curing the aging process? Yeah, so I think it's all about education. A lot of people think that, oh, you know, we just, we're supposed to age. We're supposed to die. It's natural, you know, and that's it. Once you, once you start off living from that mindset, that's it. You're not going to look at any other piece of evidence, proof information data around you that is at the opposite of that right because we have a certain um structure in our brain called the ras the reticular activating system in our brain it's like a filter because right now at any point in time there's 
trillions of information data point around me that I could be focusing on. But of course, if I focus on all of them at the same time, it'll blow my mind, <laughs> right? So I can only focus on a certain number of things. And so what decides what I can focus on right now? Why am I not focusing on the statue or the, the, the voice of, of this bird behind me or this light coming from the Christmas tree? Like, why aren't I focusing on all of those things and instead focus here? Because I'm telling myself I'm focused on this interview right now. So my reticular activating system filters out all unnecessary pieces of information and a focus only on the things that I deem to be relevant to me. So if you start off with the belief, right, that aging is natural and, you know, you get, you, you get sick and then you die because we get sick because of aging for the most part, you know, heart disease, cancer, everything, they happen usually at a much higher frequency as we age. Those are diseases of aging. And instead of curing aging, what are we doing right now? trying to piece, like, just focus on heart disease. Let's just focus on cancer. It's like, no, you have to treat the root cause because everything that's driving it, like, there's one thing that's driving everything. Let's just focus on the root cause, which is aging. And there are a lot of mammals. There are certain species of shark, of turtles, uh, whales that live hundreds and hundreds of years, like 500 years, 200 years. Why is it that we only live 80, 100 years or so, something like that, depending, you know, the oldest living human was recorded to live to 122 years. And so um, if you start with a different mindset, all you have to do is just open your mind to the possibility that no, we have control over aging. And if you just put that thought, now your reticular activating system is turned on to anything that fits into that category. And all of a sudden, now you realize there's actually millions of studies that show just how much control we have over the aging process. We've already done the reversal of aging in mice models. Like, you, we can speed up the aging process of the mice and we can re, re, uh, reverse it on demand. This is Dr. David Sinclair from Harvard University. This is old news. Now we're doing it. I don't know if the trials are ended or not, but he's doing the same thing um, on chimpanzees. Um, and then, you know, next step, obviously, human trials. This is why we do primates and then humans. And then, and then you, once you start educating yourself, all of a sudden you realize just how close we are to actually reversing the aging process. Like, this isn't, this isn't maybe. It's already happening. The question is, are you going to get educated on it so that you don't left, you're not left behind? So that you don't develop Alzheimer's and then you lose your mind because of the aging process so that you don't die of a heart attack or get a stroke and then you literally become like just immobilized in a wheelchair people having to take care of you like all of this this is this is what aging really is you know it just slowly slowly degrades every single cell in your body brain cell um, liver cell all your cells it's so it's not just like oh you know, why, why go there? Why care about aging? It's like we have to care if we care about suffering, if we want people to not suffer, if we want people to live happy, healthy, energetic lives, we have to care about aging. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just an insane, insane amount of um, research. And it's like every day or every other day, like I get all the cute, I, I have like all of the updates. I'm aware of everything that's being done right now, all the advances. And I just think it is um, so exciting to live in this day and age when we, there's a, there's a good chance that in the uh, ten, next 10 to 15 years, if you're still alive, 
you, you will have a ready supply of um, progress in medicine and anti-aging medicine, whereby um, it'll buy you enough time until newer progress, newer technologies come on the market. So there is a good chance that in the 10, 15 years from now, if you choose, you could be immortal. And this is not me saying it. This is Dr. Aubrey de Grey, the, um, one of the main, um, he's not with Sense Foundation, but he's like one of the main people who started Sense Foundation, which is very uh, huge in anti-aging. He's like a, a very, very intelligent, genius researcher um, that works at the cellular level um to to understand you know how we can reverse aging like he's one of the top leaders basically and i've interviewed a bunch of anti-aging ceos and people in the field uh liz parrish she's the ceo of bioviva you can go to my youtube channel and watch it it's really inspiring um i've interviewed the founder of rat festival rat festival every year they invite all the top researchers and scientists and everybody that's in the anti-aging field and it's like literally people just sharing information um, presenting the latest developments networking you know so it i'm probably far more excited about that than about anything else because what's the point of having abs or like what's the point of anything if you're gonna die in 10 years <laughs> it's like no i'd rather i'd rather really uh, push the limits of how much longer I can live and just at least stay alive until I have a really good chance at um, not ever dying if I choose to, you know, I think it should be a choice. That's some powerful stuff. I, um, I interviewed Dr. Rand McLean. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Ooh. And uh, Say the name yeah, again? Yeah, he, uh, he has a book on Rand McLean. Oh, um, Randy McLean, but we call him Rand McLean. Okay. And he has a new book that just came out. And this, I interviewed him before the book, and I need to have him on the show again. And he was talking about some of those developments, actually, that's going to come out. And eventually, we're going to get to the point where you can choose, you know, you basically can live a long time, if not forever. And, uh, and that was last year. And, you know, imagine next 15, 10, 15 years, how much more we're going to yeah. learn. So that's uh, pretty interesting. And that's good stuff. And we're gonna, as, as we more and more come out, you know those guests are going to be on the on the matter over mind experience. I know your boy is big. Your boy is big. So you know people love me. I'm so I happy to hear that. How's it going? The more people we can get energized and excited about this, the faster we can get all of these treatments, all of the results happening. Because right now the FDA and our government does not classify aging as a disease, and so because they don't classify it as a disease, they don't dedicate funds to it. So this is all coming from billionaires and people with a lot of money who are a little bit well versed with what's happening. It's like this is crazy. So let's fund those anti-aging researchers. This is what what's really driving the field. So we need more. I want to talk about that because you're talking about that earlier when uh, when you first started getting on it when uh, about um, aging as a disease because I believe exactly what you believe that every chronic every disease that we have is connected to chronic constant aging. Because a lot of time people think, oh you know I'm type two diabetic or Oh, um, I have this pain. My knee hurts. Oh, it's just part of natural part of aging, right? And I think there's a mindset problem with that. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, we shouldn't accept it. It's just about not comparing yourself to the average. Don't compare yourself to the average person, right? It is not okay as we get older to have all these aches and pains and all of the this loss of vitality. It is not okay because we know that at least just from a diet standpoint alone, if you go carnivore, 99% of these ailments will go away. The aches and the pains, skin issues, um, the, the weight, you know, because obviously the carnivore diet is probably the single most sober diet on the planet. 
<laughs> you know, you're not eating anything at Zigzag whatsoever. So, um, yeah, don't compare yourself to the average person because the average person, the way they're leading their lives does not mean that that's the norm. Does not mean that you're, we're supposed to, as human beings, to, to suffer this fate. That's number one. Number two, again, um, don't look at the average person who is just kind of like just waiting to get older and then to die. It's it just change that viewpoint and just go and do your research and educate yourself. It's all about education, you know, it's all about seeing really what's being happening right now, every single day, all the breakthroughs that are happening, you know, and then just, ha I think there's, that's, that's a, a really good thing. Um, in one of my interviews with the, with the rad, um, founder, he said something about how you develop PTSD by, as a species, knowing we're going to die. And we, you don't think you, there's anything you can do about it. There's a form of PTSD that we develop, whereby this is why you see people like in their 60s, 70s, 80s, it's just like, eh, whatever, like they have a dream, but they're not really getting after it. It's like, what's the point? I'm going to die soon. Or, you know, it's like people stop trying. And it's a form of anxiety. It's a form of trauma. And so, you know, it shouldn't exist because we can do so much about that. We can literally control the aging process. Right now, we can slow it down. And then we can slow it down faster and faster. And eventually, we're going to be able to reverse it. If, if it's being reversed already in animal models like clockwork, and it wasn't really that hard for them to figure it out. The, you know, the researchers thought it was going to be a much more, you know, a lot harder. And it wasn't. So just knowing that and, you know, having that hope and being engaged in the field, start a YouTube channel, you know, start interviewing anti-aging experts. We need more people. We need this message to reach as many people as possible so that funding is poured into it so that we can have a much faster trajectory and a much faster progress in this realm. You know, because everybody's going to benefit from it. The, the craziest thing to me is like a billionaire who's not literally being obsessed with anti-aging. It's like, you're not taking that money with you. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? It just blows my mind. You know, you didn't even have to be a billionaire. Like if, if I'm 80 and I have, I don't know, $1 million in my bank, it's all going to be like, it's all going to be poured into anti-aging, trying to, trying to, you know, of course, like, don't go broke, but, <laughs> you know, there's so much you can do to, to give yourself more time. And time is money. It's the most valuable asset. I love that. I love that. And, you know, the important thing that you said to me is the disease part, yeah. because I'm thinking about, okay, if chronic disease is connected to our diseases are connected to accelerated aging, right? Because you can have two people like they're a 40 year old um, chronologically, but they're not 40 biologically. Yeah. And that's a very important thing we have to think about. And doctors do not address that. Most doctors, even, even some dietitians, some nutritionists do not address that. Mm -hmm. And the aging is really like they're talking about the dopamine receptors to me, addressing the aging, which is connected to oxidative stress, chronic inflammation, and so many other things. Addressing that is like addressing the underlining factors and not just saying, hey, let me give you some medicine, which, by the way, may age you more right. because of what, what's in them, right? So it's so much we have to unpack and there's so much we have to learn. And as you know, people watch my show, I've had many shows on it, but I'm going to have more shows on it as time goes along because we're constantly aging faster than we're supposed to is a big problem. And now we're getting to the point that we can reverse it or maybe even prevent it. And that is absolutely groundbreaking. Now, I want to get Sarah out of here before she gets tired of me because she has other things to do and she's tired of looking at my ugly face. 
But before Sarah gets out of here, I want her to tell us all about her work. How can we get in touch with her? I know she has a YouTube. Drop your links, you know, your shameless plug. Give us all that, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so much. Is it Zico or Zeko? Zico. Come on, you know me by now. You know me for how long now? It's yeah, Zico. I know, but I usually see it on Instagram as opposed to hearing you say it all the time. <laughs> Zico. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I always have a blast coming on your show. Thank you everybody for listening. But yeah, you can find me very easily. If I don't know if they're going to be able to see my name on the on the screen, but it's Dr. Sarah with an H Zaldivar. Um, and that's my website, drsarahzaldivar.com. You can find my guide, Dopamine, gu uh, dopamine uh, Body <laughs> for the Weight Loss Guide. It teaches you how to calculate your calories. It's mainly geared towards keto and um, carnivore because it's actually so much easier to stick to those kinds of diets, especially if you struggle with addictions. But you can still use the part about the, you know, how I calculate the calories for my clients and what is the methodology that I use. It's all in that book. There's a shopping list, all that kind of stuff. And then there's the dopamine brain guide, which focuses a little bit more than dopamine body, actually a lot more. It's the whole focus of dopamine brain to look into um, the brain's baseline dopamine level and how you can control it and how you can raise it once and for all so that you're not constantly living in a state of depression, this mild depression that people go into when they take away a drug. You know, like That's why relapse rates are so high because they're not targeting the root cause of that addiction in almost all rehab centers, you know? Um, I did not realize the power of my dissertation on this topic because the, the dissertation that I did was on the effect of um, high-intensity interval exercise on sugar addiction. So it's like exactly what I, end, what I ended up really being known for. And it wasn't something that uh, really clicked in my head until eventually I realized that that's what did it for me. That's what really helped me with my sugar addiction, carbohydrate addiction. So yeah, it's it's easy to find me and on Instagram at drdr.sarah with an H dot Zaldivar. And that's it. Perfect. And I'll make sure her links are going to be in the show notes. I didn't think I had the show notes ahead of time, but I think I'm going with zikahealth.com slash Sarah um, Saldivar. I think yes, I got it right. Saldivar. Saldivar. Well, the show notes, the link is going to be in the description of the podcast. I think it's going to be actually two because I think I just had it like, you know, Sarah Saldibar in the first one. So it's, but anyway, the, Zika, the, the show notes are going to be in the description of the podcast. Click on there, learn more about Sarah. And you can also, sorry, I should say Sarah. You got my name wrong. Got your name wrong. Apologize for that. And yeah, learn about her work. You get access to her YouTube, her Instagram, so on and so forth. Then we also follow each other. We follow each other forever on Instagram. So you can connect either way as well. And with that being said, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We're out for the day, fam. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.